Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day this day after the election as we continue to wait for final results. Like many, I'm a little short on sleep, but uh, we're ready to talk about what we know at this point. And today on the program, we're going to take a look at a couple of uh, key states uh, that had some uh, big ballot initiatives. In the state of Missouri, Amendment 3 was a key one. We'll talk with Eric Bowl with the Missouri Farm Bureau. In Illinois, a progressive tax initiative was a big uh, item on the ballot. We'll talk with Rich Gebert, president of the Illinois Farm Bureau. Also on our program today, uh, we'll step away from the election for a bit, and we'll get the latest numbers in the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer, Michael Langmeyer. Purdue Ag Economist will join us with those numbers a little bit later on. But let's focus on the election and what we know. Joining me now, longtime uh, friend Mary Kay Thatcher, formerly with the American Farm Bureau Federation, now with Syngenta as Senior Lead for Federal Government uh, Regulations. Mary Kay, thank you for joining us. You and I have talked uh, politics and ag politics for many, many years. Um, as expected in this year of 2020, this this campaign was unique. This election was unique. And as we wait for the final results, what are some of your takeaways from what we know at this point? Well, it sure was a, a surprise. I mean, it looks like the pollsters from from the very conservative to the very liberal were all wrong, which is kind of amazing. Um, but I think, you know, what I'm really looking at closely, Mike, is what's happened with some of these rural and, you know, I think there was good news, really good news that Joni Ernst won in Iowa. Uh, certainly, probably the thing that most Aggies are talking about is Colin Peterson's loss in Minnesota. And he's had a tough time. We all knew that. Uh, but, boy, he's an institution. And, you know, it's not to say that the folks who replace him as uh, chairman of the House Ag Committee won't be great, but they don't have the experience he does and know where to push the buttons and how to make it happen and they haven't built up that relationship with Nancy Pelosi as a go-to person when we need ag. So uh, that is a huge loss for us, Mike. Yeah, I want to talk about that a little bit because I have um, spent a lot of time interviewing uh, Colin Peterson over the years, really enjoyed talking to him and respected his willingness to reach across the aisle, his bipartisan approach that uh, is hard to find in Congress today. Uh, so I think he's to be commended for that. And I think uh, you mentioned his relationship with Nancy Pelosi. I thought he he was a good um, buffer, if you will, from uh, some the party leadership and kind of a protection for agriculture. I thought uh, Colin Peterson was that middle ground, stood that very well. So it, it will be a challenge to see who replaces him and if they can be as effective at that. Well, and they, they probably just can't be as effective right away. So we should be thankful we're not writing a farm bill this year. We've got a couple of years for somebody to kind of ease into it. Um, and we'll all have a lot of work. But, you know, Mike, you hit on something that I, I'm just quite concerned about and have been, and that is that, you know, we don't have very many Democrats in the rural areas. In fact, if you look at what they really term as 
sure rural, there are 70 districts out of the 435 members of the House, and only nine of those, and that's pre-Colin losing and maybe a couple of others, only nine of them are Democrats. 61 are Republicans. Now, it's not a surprise when we think about Republicans in rural areas and we see what happened last night, but the fact is, you know, in agriculture, we've always been bipartisan. We need to be bipartisan. And we need Democrats and Republicans both that are willing to go to leadership and say, this is important. And it may not just be a farm bill. It may be transportation issues. We may be talking about the infrastructure bill and it's between money for the metro or for, you know, the locks and dams on the Mississippi River where we send such a high percentage of our exports. So I am truly concerned about the fact that we have so few Democrats in rural areas that it's not going to be long. And certainly I suspect redistricting will not help that next year where we just don't have the number to really make a difference with the leadership when agriculture needs help. I said all along I was kind of more focused on the Senate than I was even the White House. And as we wait <laughs> to see the the final results for the presidential uh, campaign, uh, the fact we know now, or it looks like, the Senate will stay with with Republicans. I, there's something about that checks and balances within the political system. When I look back, when either party has total control, I, it just seems that that doesn't work well. I think it's better when there is a some kind of a checks and balance uh, set up there. And I think most people would agree with you 100%. Now, I think, you know, it is a great check. It also is a recipe for more gridlock, just like we've had. I, I think, mm -hmm. yep, with the House being Democratic, for sure, and the Senate very likely being Republican, regardless of who's elected president, um, it's going to be very difficult to get things done for the next couple of years, just as difficult as it has been the last couple of years. Um, the other thing that stands out is, in some places, how long it takes to vote, count votes. You would think by 2020 <laughs> and all of our technology, we could do this a little quicker than this. You sure do. you, you got to wonder whether or not there won't be some commissions recommending some changes and when those mail-in ballots get counted. You know, I have to believe, regardless of whether we have COVID or not, that people liked being able to go and vote early and not have to wait to vote on a specific day. And, um, you know, it appears there hasn't been any fraud in the mail-in ballots or the drop-them-in-the-ballot box stuff yet. And so if that's the case, I think there'll be pressure from the general public to to do that, to open up voting um, more broadly to um, uh, early voting. And, and, you know, I mean, election night's just kind of a bummer anymore. You, you can go to bed at 11 o'clock and still not know much at all. So uh, I, I think there'll be a lot of people looking bad in the next couple of years. Yeah, or as some of us did, go to bed at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, finally, <laughs> Mary Kay, your thoughts on the lame duck. Do you think much will get done in the lame duck session? I don't. Um, you know, I think more will get done than if the Democratic sweep of the White House and Senate and the House had happened, because then I think they would have just shut everything down and waited till they controlled everything. But um, I think now they, they'll probably look at things like the 12 approach bill, that we have the continuing resolution to fund the government till the middle of December. I think they'll look at that and say, we might as well get this done, because really not a whole lot is going to change between now and this January or February. Um, you know, there are some, certainly some expiring tax provisions that are very important to folks, so I wouldn't be surprised to see, like, a big Christmas tree bill that they try to shove all that kind of thing uh, on. 
But other than that, they're going to be focused on leadership. You know, who's going to take the chairmanship or the ranking member of this committee? Who's going to, mm-hmm. you know, take open spots on the Senate Allied Committee, et cetera? So I don't anticipate a lot other than the approach bills and maybe a bigger bill on some of the expiring tax provisions. All right. Just like old times. Good to talk with you again, Mary Kay. Hopefully we know more the next time, Mike. Okay, take care. Mary Kay Thatcher with Syngenta, Senior Lead for Federal Government Regulations, formerly with the American Farm Bureau. Talked to her many times over the years about politics in general, ag politics in particular. Always appreciate and respect her perspective. Up next, we go to the state of Missouri, look at some key issues and election results from that state next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. As a certified crop specialist with your local FS company, I'm trained in agronomy, soil types, and genetics. I'm also completely dedicated to your farm success. So I'm more than just a crop specialist. I'm a do-whatever-it-takes specialist. A walk-a-mile-in-your-boots specialist. A we're-in-this-thing-together specialist. Ready for higher yields with proven brands like FS Envision and FS High Soy? Just ask me how. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we're talking with Joel Haggard, Senior Vice President for the Asia-Pacific Region for the U.S. Meat Export Federation. He's joining us from Hong Kong. Tell us about some of your efforts there to promote U.S. meat products and how it's going. This has been an extraordinary year, not only because of COVID, but probably more so because of the African swine fever outbreak that's really cut back China's pork supplies. We've been shipping a lot of pork to China, record amount. This year, we're seeing the beef really starting to pop right now. We've been promoting um, in all types of formats, in-store promotions at Sands Club, barbecues for traders, a lot of uh, seminars and other educational events for chefs and distributors, pretty much the full gamut of activities. The audience has been very receptive because we're in a particularly favorable position right now on both beef and pork, but on the beef side because of the uh, Australia's uh, tight supply situation. So it's been pretty encouraging. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. 
Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, as we continue, of course, to look at the national election results, I want to kind of focus in on some of the state issues, some very important uh, items on ballots in various states. And we're going to focus now on the state of Missouri. Joining us is Eric Bowl. He's Director of Public Affairs and Advocacy for the Missouri Farm Bureau. Eric, thanks for joining us. I guess top of your list, Amendment 3 was a big, big issue in the state of Missouri. Explain for our listeners not familiar with it, what Amendment 3 was all about and then how it turned out. Yeah, Mike. Well, thanks for having me again. It's good to talk to you. Uh, it was a big night for us. We were surprised at the the outpouring of support that we found mostly across rural Missouri for this amendment. And, and what it did is two years ago, there were some national, uh, very progressive groups, some think tanks drew up an, a way to redo our redistricting process. And they came to Missouri with over $5 million of uh, outside money, dark money, and pushed it through uh, with a bunch of other ethics reforms to make it look pretty. It was candy up front that got us to vote for it, and then um, snuck in the bottom of it was this redistricting reform that would have uh, forced districts to be chopped up based on partisanship and trying to force a partisan balance in every district. And as you know very well, our rural areas are sometimes hundreds of miles from a, a progressive vote center, and so they would have had to be somehow tied together with those in long spindly districts in order to achieve some 50-50 balance that wouldn't make any sense for the people. And so the state legislature put this on the ballot uh, for this year and said, let's uh, rethink that part of it and go back to a redistricting process that really makes them a lot more sense and keeps communities whole and keeps their voices in the Capitol. And the uh, <laughs> the opponents came in with more money this time, with $7.5 million from all over the place and brought in Hollywood celebrities trying to endorse the, the no on Amendment 3 side. And we had um, about $50,000 we cobbled together from farmers and ranchers across Missouri. And so we were outspent 150 to 1. But uh, we wow. somehow were still able to, to convince the people that they were being sold a bill of goods. And uh, we ended up pulling it out by about two and a half, three percent last night. So, what do you attribute that to? How were you able to effectively get your message out there? You think? <laughs> well, it was what we call guerrilla warfare. We did uh, everything we could to come up with creative ways to get across on social media. We we did Facebook lives where we explained the whole thing for forty five minutes, and then we do thirty second videos um, trying to show. The, the bullet points and everything in between. I think, honestly, Mike, the one thing that turned the tide the most that got the attention of people was once uh, we started digging into where the money was coming from to oppose Amendment 3 and, and try to stop it. And the biggest thing was George Soros donated half a million dollars about a week and a half before the election um, to try to, to stop us. And that that name carries a lot of weight with our voters in Missouri. They don't like people like him swooping in and trying to tell us what to do. Um, and it wasn't just him. It was a lot of other groups, very far left activist groups that were behind it. And once people started seeing 
what the real story was behind it, I think that turned the tide a little bit, and they realized this was not uh, what they were hearing on these $7.5 million worth of ads on, on TV. We're talking with Eric Boll with Missouri Farm Bureau. Um, your governor, Governor Parsons, was reelected. Absolutely, and we were very excited to see that. He, he won by a, a huge margin. Um, the polls were showing he may win by five or six points. Uh, governor Parson is a farmer, and he's not a, one of these politicians who pretends to be a farmer. He actually works on the farm and, and likes to go home and farm on the weekends. And he was—he uh, actually found out he was going to be governor while he was raking hay um, because the, the previous governor resigned, and he was lieutenant governor and, and stepped up. And he won a full term last night by at least 16%. He actually outperformed President Trump in Missouri, and uh, President Trump won by 15% uh, when it was looking to be pretty tight as well. So all, all things considered, it was a, a pretty big night for rural Missouri. We were very excited to see the people pull it out that did. Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit about that because Missouri, like many other states, uh, there there has been a divide, and there is a divide in, in between the rural areas and the urban areas. And well, I live in Illinois, where you know Chicago dominates uh, the rest of the state. But I also have lived in Missouri, and I saw at times where St. Louis and Kansas City could dominate the rural areas of the state of Missouri. So it, it sounds like you feel this election was a real victory for rural Missouri. Oh, that's absolutely right. And I'm, um, you know, still, I took about a four hour nap, uh, in between, uh, watching the results uh, late last night and, and waking up this morning. And so I'm still pouring through the data to see things. But what's really interesting to me is looking at the margins in the rural areas. Um, almost every rural county in Missouri, we have 114 counties, um, in Missouri and almost every one of the rural counties increased the vote share for President Trump. Uh, from what he got in 2016. Now, that was offset by, like you mentioned, some of those suburban and urban counties um, where he lost some support in those. But in in, uh, in the total balance, he ended up doing very well because of the strength of those rural counties really coming through for him. And the same is could be said for um, not only the, the governor, but also the lieutenant governor, who's also a farmer, Mike Kehoe. He's a great guy, and we endorsed him. Um, and does an awesome job. We we were really excited to see him and all the other statewides that we endorsed. Everyone won. Missouri Farm Bureau actually had a clean sweep last night. I don't know if that's ever happened before. Every single thing mm-hmm. in Canada that we endorsed won. Yeah, you, you don't get those uh, opportunities very often to be able to say that uh, in, in any part of politics where you get a clean sweep like that. Uh, <laughs> To, to me, the, the the big story from this, when I look at a positive takeaway, regardless of who wins or loses, but it was voter turnout, voter engagement for a variety of reasons. But at least the, the, the narrative isn't about low voter turnouts and voter apathy. That was not the case this time around uh, across the country. Oh, you're exactly right. And I saw that myself here in uh, Boone County, right in the center of the state where the university of Missouri is. Um, that's where I live. And uh, when I showed up to the polls yesterday morning at about 635, 640, there were about 150 people in line. And um, we heard that from people in rural counties too, where they showed up before the polls opened at 6 a.m. and they were still more than a hundredth in line to vote. And that is just unbelievable from uh, the rural counties where there just isn't that population density to have that many people showing up. Definitely voter apathy was not a problem this year. 
there's a lot of people passionate about a lot of things in politics right now. And um, it was good to see that the rural areas turned out the way that we hoped they would. What about some of your uh, state races as far as the makeup of your state legislature? Uh, any big changes there for Missouri? Yeah, actually, the surprise for many people is going to be waking up this morning that there aren't any real changes. Uh, we were kind of expecting uh, that the Senate in Missouri may lose a couple, the Republicans may lose a couple of seats to the Democrats. And in fact, nothing changed. We ended up with the same number of Republicans and Democrats as we started with uh, the, yesterday. Um, the the people who were hoping to flip seats blue just didn't come through. And um, we are still going to have a supermajority of Republicans in both the House and Senate uh, come January. And I think there were a lot of people in some very, very tough races that fought hard and found a way to, to pull it through. So now you, you catch your breath, get a little bit of sleep, and uh, get back at it, right? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, now we've got to prepare for our annual meeting and all the other things that we always have to do every year, and hopefully they'll be somewhat uh, close to normal. And, and as you know, uh, Blake Hurst, who's our longtime president, has announced his retirement, and so we've only got one more month left with, with Blake at the helm of Missouri Farm Bureau, and his successor is going to be selected, uh, going to be voted upon in about a month at our annual meeting. So that's where we're turning our attention to next. Are you going to be able to hold your meeting in person, or are you going virtual? Well, we are going to do it in person, but it's going to be limited uh, a lot more pared back than normal. We're going to have voting delegates only that are going to be there, and we're t trimming it down from a four-day extravaganza down to the two days of essentials and do the business meeting and, and vote on um, the election of officers and do our resolutions process. But other than that, we're going to just uh, trim it back pretty substantially. The thing that makes it hard is when you're electing a new president, it only happens every 10 or 20 years sometimes, and you've got to find a way to, to come together so people can talk it over. So we're going to do that and have some going away goodbyes, um, some warm wishes for President Hearst, but we're excited to, to see what the next chapter brings. All right, Eric, thanks a lot for the uh, the report from the state of Missouri. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you for asking, Mike. We appreciate all you do. Take care. Eric Bull with Missouri Farm Bureau. Up next, we'll talk with the president of the Illinois Farm Bureau, Rich Giebert. That's next on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Meet Keith, loving dad, board game champ, bus driving pro. I drive 65,000 miles in my bus each year. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. Like how there are some things I simply can't see. On my route the other day, a car tried to sneak past me and ends up right in my blind spot. I turned slowly, so I accidentally avoided it. But no car should be in the blind spot for a 40,000-pound bus. It's our roads. It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, Farm Radio is right there with you. 
This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. For the grain and oil seed sector, we've got a mixed tone. Livestock futures have seen mixed activity as well. Election results top of mind this morning. The final tally may not be quick, and the overnight markets gyrated accordingly. Livestock futures were lower yesterday despite higher cutout prices. Some say the grain trade will go back to monitoring more traditional fundamentals during today's session. But again, right now, the remaining attention on the harvest and also the election results in the grains an hour into the day. Soybean futures have a firm tone. November up three cents, 1062. January up four, 1068 and a half. In corn, fractional changes. December down a quarter of a cent, four dollars and three quarters of a cent. March up a half at 406 and a half. Chicago wheat, December contract down four and three quarters, 603. Kansas City wheat, December down two and three quarters, 554 and a quarter. Minneapolis spring wheat, December down two at 550 and a quarter. Live cattle, nearby December, down 22 at 107.60. February, near unchanged, down 2 cents per hundredweight at 110.27. Feeder cattle, January contract, down a dime at 133.07. March, down 40 at 132.75. Lean hog futures, December, 40 cents higher, 65.80. February, up 47 at $66 per hundredweight. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow is up 599 points. S&P up 93, December crude oil up 61. You're listening to AOA. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans and if left untreated can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Synex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, so we just heard from Missouri Farm Bureau, and they are celebrating uh, a win on the big item on their um, state ballot yesterday that was amendment three a redistricting uh, issue and uh, they're feeling good about that in the state of illinois a big issue was a proposed um, progressive tax initiative which uh, illinois farm bureau 
opposed. And joining us now is the president of the Illinois Farm Bureau, Rich Gebert. Rich, thank you for joining us. It looks like the uh, progressive tax initiative has been defeated. Is that right? Absolutely. And good morning, Mike. Always a pleasure to visit with you. And absolutely, uh, it's been a long campaign. Um, and we're very proud of our members and what Illinois Farm Bureau uh, County leaders have done in getting out the vote no campaign uh, to defeat the pro- progressive tax. So we're very happy where that is. Uh, but there's a lot of work to do going forward from here. Why did you feel so strongly that that approach, that progressive tax, was not a good way to go? Well, I, I tell you, we we have been strong advocates of our supporting our policy, and our delegates uh, were very clear in their message last December uh, to support the flat tax going forward. And this is something not new to our policy book. You can go back to the mid-'80s is when it was first put into our policy book uh, that Illinois Farm Bureau uh, and the counties uh, were supportive of a flat tax uh, going forward, feeling that that is the most fair way uh, to tax uh, citizens uh, of the state of Illinois. So that was uh, our, our main initiative, uh, main talking point. Uh, but other talking points that we used is that um, uh, it, it, it didn't provide an opportunity for voter input going forward uh, to our state legislators that they could change the rate and the schedule anytime they deemed necessary or needed more dollars uh, into the state coffers. And uh, they could focus on any uh, 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 bracket that they wished uh, that would have very little impact on them uh, as legislators um, in Springfield. Yeah, that seemed to be the key. It was kind of, for those who supported it, uh, Governor Pritzker pushing it and his supporters saying, hey, this is going to tax the, the, the wealthiest and, and this is going to help our state get out of the financial uh, uh, problems we're in. But as you pointed out, what people got... The, looking at and farm bureau certainly pointed this out is what it the door that it opened for in the future them being able to come back and tax other the lower tax brackets as well and it just left that that possibility out there and and certainly i think that was a a key point in your messaging right in in your opposition to the the initiative absolutely mike and and uh, as we look at our neighbors around the state of illinois that have uh, supported and, and passed a, a progressive tax within their states, it didn't take too many years before they started shifting, uh, changing the, the tax rate and the schedule. And a couple states went down as, as far as those folks making $25,000 or more uh, changed those rates higher than what it was. And, uh, you know, our it, it was we just felt that it was not appropriate for the voter to have input or our legislators to to um, to be able to do things without um, support of voters. Uh, you know that that's all what elections are all about, and campaigns are all about is support those that support your views and your ideas. And this is one that um, our members feel very strongly on. And, um, you know, it was a grassroots process that enabled our members to unite uh, behind our policy. And as I look across the state, I have not seen an issue that really united 
folks, both in agriculture and around the state, uh, on a single issue uh, to, to garner that much um, uh, interest and uh, on, on either side of the, of the debate. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're very fortunate that the Vote No campaign prevailed and very appreciative of it. We're talking with Rich Gieber, president of the Illinois Farm Bureau. Rich, were there other races or issues that the Farm Bureau was uh, involved in on this uh, in this election? Well, Mike, you, you well know, and I think your listeners know, that, that Illinois Farm Bureau has a strong activator program where we support uh, legislators that, that uh, support our points of view and have an open-door policy uh, to, to let our members in or their constituents in uh, to talk about what's important to them and, and what they should support, uh, whether it's in Springfield or in Washington, D.C. And for the most part, um, those that we supported uh, through the Activator Program uh, and the Friend of Agriculture uh, one re-election. Now there was a couple of, that were unfortunately didn't that didn't happen, but the voters spoke, and that's we respect that uh, going forward. You know there was some very close races. You know we are a very bipartisan organization, uh, working both sides of the aisle, um, and 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 I think that stands uh, has proven uh, time and time again. Uh, uh, productive for us and, and open doors and had that we could have a conversation with those legislators. You know, you look at Sherry Bustos is, is one that was very close. Uh, Rodney Davis, another one that, you know, we thought was pretty close and, and he prevailed there. Mike Boss was very successful. Uh, uh, Congressman LaHood, uh, one that's up in the air right now that has not been decided is, is Congresswoman Underhood, Underwood. Uh, where um, uh, Senator um, Overweis is, is, is ahead in those polls. So we'll have to just wait and see where, where that shakes out going forward. Speaking of going forward, you are now in your resolution process as you uh, get ready to uh, uh, set uh, your policy direction for the uh, coming year, right? Absolutely. Well, as we speak there, the you know the representatives from across the state are in today the resolutions committee and they have about uh, 18 or 20 submittals from county leaders uh, that they're going to work on and prepare the document uh, for our business meeting uh, there in the first part of December uh, which will be virtual you know things are a little different today Mike uh, we're not going to unfortunately we're not going to meet face to face and have a vigorous debate on 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 policy. Uh, but we're going to do our best to, to do it virtually, and, and still um, we need input from our members on a, on a number of, of policy decisions uh, that uh, we'll have to see after the election uh, what takes place uh, in Washington, D.C., or in Springfield particularly. How does, uh, how does our state legislature um, deal with, with the unpaid bills and the pension liability that they have? What are some of the, looking at your resolutions that are coming in that you're discussing, what are some of the, the issues? Are you anticipating any real big changes in Farm Bureau policy, or, or, or are you fine-tuning some things, or what, how would you describe it so far? A, a, a little bit of both, Mike. You know, we're, you know I, I think the big topics of, of today, climate, uh, 
uh, conservation programs going forward. You t there's a lot of conversations about carbon and carbon sequ sequestration. Um, and we, we just need to have a conversation with our, our delegates of what do they see going forward and how agriculture, uh, what role w we can uh, be a part of and, and be supportive of, of the environment and uh, carbon and how do we uh, participate in that and take advantage of what we've already done um, in, you know, on our farms, whether it has to deal with uh, cover crops or structures to, to you know, hold our soil in place and the nutrients that we put there and not to add any more load uh, to um, uh, oh, down in, in the Gulf to hypoxia, uh, which our farmers have, have really done a great job over the years and, and uh, reduce the, the nutrient runoff. And we want to be a part of that. And how can we capture any dollars uh, in this tough farm economy uh, with carbon sequestration uh, going forward? And you know, there's a lot of talk about other companies that how how they can they benefit or participate in that, and and there's a considerable discussion about uh, carbon trading. How you know we don't have very clear policy on carbon trading and how we can participate in that, in that as well. Then on All the right. other, you know, we're looking at, you know, uh, you know, what can we do uh, with with conservation programs, and I think. You know, the, the consumer is really interested in that uh, going forward, and I know Congress has an interest in that as well. Very good. All right. Are you done with harvest? We're getting close. Hopefully uh, by the first part of the week we can be done. We've got some beautiful weather, and hopefully I can get back home on the farm uh, tomorrow morning and, uh, and be a part of that. All right, Rich, appreciate you taking time. I know you're busy with the resolution session and all that's going on, but uh, appreciate your time, and thanks for uh, talking about some of the issues for the state of Illinois. Thank you very much. Always my pleasure. Thank you, Mike. Take care. You too. Rich Gebert, president of the Illinois Farm Bureau. All right, we'll continue uh, in the days ahead, look at some of the other, uh, uh, some of the key state issues, ag issues, and uh, some of the states around the country. And of course, we continue to watch the national results as well. But up next, we have the latest numbers from the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. Of course, uh, these numbers before the election, but uh, we'll see uh, which way they're trending. That's coming up next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From 
cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to separate. First, use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Raw meat should never touch food that won't be cooked. Then, always keep raw meat, poultry, seafood, and their juices away from other foods in the shopping cart. And store raw meat, poultry, and seafood in a container or on a plate in the fridge so juices won't drip on other foods. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, joining us is our good friend Jim Baer, President and CEO of U.S. Apple. I know that the U.S. Apple Association is making a big donation for this effort to help feed school kids. Tell us about it, please. We've had this program for several years, our Apples for Education program, and it's not about just giving away apples. It's actually intended to provide funds for creative programs that get proposed and to teach kids about healthy eating. And when schools started shutting down last spring, I mean, even though a lot of apples go into the school lunch program, um, this is really not about just giving away apples. It just seemed natural. Our segment of agriculture ought to try and help out. And so we're providing this grant of $20,000 to the School Nutrition Association to purchase food and packaging for grab-and-go meals, for mobile carts and kiosks at curbside distribution, and uh, personal protective equipment to keep the workers safe. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons of issues important to you, cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. So join us for Around the Table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Neil Armstrong waited six hours and 39 minutes to step onto the surface of the moon. Jackie Robinson waited 20 months to play his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And even DiCaprio had to wait 22 years to win an Oscar. You can wait until your destination. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Seed corn companies love to talk about characteristics, maturity, emergence, vigor. Those things are important, 
but at FS Envision, we've developed corn with some extra characteristics, like attitude, like a fighter's will to win, like the spirit to persevere, because in the end, those are the traits that get it done. Get Envision in the fight for you. Talk to your local FS crop specialist today. FS Envision. Never settle. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, let's go over some more numbers, some more results, but not from the election. This is from the... uh, Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer joins us with the latest numbers. Michael, thanks for joining us. Looks like uh, they were up again this month. Yes, definitely more optimism in October, and, and I think uh, there's at least three things going on here to, for the continued optimism. Uh, first of all, we've seen continued strengthening in prices. Uh, you know, uh, prices did uh, have slipped a little bit from where they were, but they're still relatively strong uh, compared to what we expected them to be. Uh, certainly this summer we expected much lower prices, and so that's contributed to the optimism. Uh, there's also the CFAP, too. Uh, we talked about that last time. I think those payments are also uh, contrib- contribute to the optimism. And I think we continue to get positive trade news. And so I think all of those three things are coming ahead uh, now, uh, along with some pretty good yields uh, in, 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 in uh, a wide swaths of the Corn Belt, and it's creating some optimism. Yeah, I would say all of the above, but especially... When you get a, a market rally at harvest time and you have a pretty good harvest, maybe not a record, but a, a pretty good harvest to go along with it, that's going to certainly raise a farmer's optimism levels. Yeah, that's definitely the case. And it was both the index of current conditions and the index of future expectations uh, that increased, but the index of current conditions increased more. And so that that's, uh, uh, really really says a lot about the, the current optimism for the, for the current environment. And there's a couple questions in particular that were really interesting related to current conditions. One of those is one of the questions that goes into the ag economy barometer and the index of current conditions that basically asks whether their farm operation uh, to, uh, today is financially better off, worse off, or about the same compared to a year ago. And uh, those that said it was better off stand at 25%. That might sound low, but that's a full 10% above, uh, above where it's been uh, during the life of the survey. And so certainly that question, uh, people were much more optimistic. The other one that was a real eye-opener in my mind is we've been asking the last two or three months about uh, cash rents in 2021. And when we asked that question in uh, September, only 8% thought that cash rents in their area were going to go up. That increased to 38%. Uh, in October, and so that tells me that uh, the profit prospects look a lot better uh, in the last two or three months, and and that means that they expect uh, upward pressure on cash rents. Another sign of farmer optimism would be their willingness or confidence to make uh, big-ticket purchases. Uh, what what did you find out when you asked them about that? Yeah, there's still more people that, that don't necessarily think this is a good time to invest in machinery than, than a bad time. And so the index remains a below 100. That's what an index below 100 means, is there's still some uh, skepticism about whether this is a good time to purchase machinery. But having said that, uh, the index is at an all-time high of 82. 
Uh, and it's up substantially from what it was early in the year. Uh, the Firm Capital Investment Index is what we call this. It was as low as 38 in April, 50 in May, and now it's 82 in October. And so what that tells me is, is not only the prof, profit prospects much higher than what they were, they seem to be getting high enough for some of these farms that they're confident they're going to be able to make principal payments and uh, have some money left over uh, to, to uh, replace assets that they haven't been able to replace for a while. It's been uh, quite a roller coaster ride, hasn't it, when you look back uh, just this year alone? Yeah, it's, been, it's unbelievable. We, you know, we reached, we reached close to the lows in, in, in April and May, very low indices. Uh, you know, that, but if you think about back then, uh, the, the prospects for corn prices were, were terrible. I think that one of the WASDE reports coming out during that time uh, had corn prices for the, the, the marketing year were currently in at 310. Now that's up to 360. And they might even increase that a little bit in the WASI report next week. And so, and so it's just night and day, uh, you know, when you look at April and May compared to uh, uh, today. Looking ahead to, next, to the next report, hopefully we'll have the election results all done by then. But the, uh, your survey will probably reflect how farmers feel about the, the election. Yeah, hopefully we'll have the results by then. But uh, we some of the some of the very same questions we asked this month, we're going to ask the next two months, and so we're going to try to track how the how the election impacted results uh, to key questions. And some of those questions are related to things like uh, like regulation and, and and things like that. And so we're, we're going to try to get a sense on on how sentiment changes uh, as a result of the election. Yeah, because. Um, when we look at next year, uh, depending on how the election turns out, there could be some significant, significant changes in policy approach and things like that. So that'll, that will be interesting. Uh, yeah. And there's two policy areas I think that, uh, that we're trying to, we're trying to hone in on in particular. One of those is related to policies related to the environment. Uh, that's going to, you know, that, that could be impacted by the election, certainly. But the other thing is related to, uh, some of these payments that we received the last two or three years, uh, you know, kind of their attitude whether those those are going to be around uh, in the, in the next year or two, and so those are the two policy areas we're really trying to hone in on. Uh, you know, both pre and post election, and tax policy, I would think, would be a big one too. Well, we got questions in there on tax policy too. Thanks for reminding me. Both income taxes and uh, estate taxes. So, a couple yeah, different so angles we'll- there on tax policy. We'll be watching that, but the headline uh, this month is uh, a new record high for the barometer. Yes. So, you know, it's been a wild ride, as we said, uh, Michael, and we appreciate you coming on each month and giving us the numbers. Uh, Can't wait to see what next month has to say, so we'll watch closely. We'll talk to you then. Okay. Take care. Take care. Michael Langmeyer, he is a Purdue Ag Economist, and again, Farmer sentiment hitting a new record high in October in the Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer, climbing to a reading of 183. That's a 27-point increase compared to September. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today. Tomorrow, we'll uh, hopefully have some more clarity on the election. We'll talk about some of the, uh, not not only national implications, but some of the things decided on state levels as well. And we'll look at uh, how the markets will 
uh, react to all this and both now and moving forward. We'll get to some thoughts on that. So hope you'll join us tomorrow right here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.